0: This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a committed and compassionate life. This week's quick announcement is that the Big Change Program opens up in about a week and a half. If you're on my email list, you'll get information about it in the next few days. If not, you can read all about it and take a test drive at BigChangeProgram.com. Now let's talk about today's show. So I'm not into collecting. I never got excited about all the state quarters or, you know, the Franklin Mint 12 Days of Christmas salad plates and stuff like that. But when I watched the Missing Chins Run Club on Good Morning America, the end of October 2017, I got the itch for collecting because there were six chins, and I had had all of them on the podcast except one. And so I reached out to Josh Turner to complete my collection, and it turns out he's much more than the final Good Morning America chin in my podcast collection. He's also one hell of a smart, compassionate, committed human being. He's a type 1 diabetic who was told that his quality of life, his health, his longevity would be compromised by this disease. And after decades of struggle and misery and fear and alienation, Josh discovered a plant-based diet, the exact opposite of what his doctors had been telling him to do, and he took up running. In the process, he's lost almost 100 pounds, he's gained his life back, and he's become an inspiration and a lighthouse for other type 1 diabetics who are struggling to escape the grip of the wrong-headed medical model of disease management with their low-carb, high-protein diets. And I'm noticing a trend on the podcast lately. I've been having, you know, what people think of as ordinary folks, not health professionals, not researchers, not activists, just people who have turned their lives around through these human protocols of eating the right food and moving our bodies in the right way. And I'm really grooving on these, and I'd love to continue to do them. It's really fun, and it's great to give people a platform, some of whom are then going to go on and start their own blogs and podcasts and health companies. And that's how we get the ball rolling. That's how we turn the snowball bigger and we change the world. So without further ado, Josh Turner, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Um, So I, I feel like a little bit of a collector in that when you and a bunch of your buddies appeared on Good Morning America two or three weeks ago, you were the only one I hadn't had on the podcast. And I was like, like you know, you got like 49 of the 50 state quarters and you want that last one. So, yeah. And your story was yep. was just amazing. And you were so sort of matter-of-fact and, and charming that I uh, I was really eager to, to have this conversation with you. So welcome.
1: Well, thank you for having me on here. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's, let's start. So you, um, you were unique among all the folks in that you, uh, you know, you didn't have the 200, 300 pound weight loss, but you had a arguably uh, a tougher hill to climb, right? You're a type one diabetic, right?
1: Yes, sir. For 30 years, I've been type one diabetic. Uh,
0: so before we uh, dive into that, can you just explain to everybody what that means, what the difference is between type one and type two and what, what, what it's meant for your life? Well, type
1: one, my pancreas doesn't work. Well, they think that some kind of way that a disease attacks your immune system and it damages your pancreas. So it doesn't, the insulin that you produce or it doesn't produce insulin, it doesn't work in my body. So I have to actually take insulin from another source to take the sugar out of my body.
0: Okay. So, you know, there was like a type two diabetic they may be producing insulin, at least for, for a while until their pancreas poops out. Um, but because of yes. other factors, the insulin isn't working, but they, it's still in their body. So when they get it working again, yes. they can yes, kind sir. of return to normal. But, but yes, you're, you're missing the the cells in the pancreas that produce any insulin. So without a, a regular supply, you can't survive.
1: Yeah, correct. I would get really, really sick. Uh, they would call it, they call it ketoacidosis would start in me and actually it would put you into a coma and you would die from it mm-hmm. if i didn't have the insulin in my body
0: so what, how old were you when you were first diagnosed
1: i was 10 years old i was
0: a kid and how, so how did, how did the doctors think to look for that? What were, what, were your, what were you experiencing? What were your symptoms?
1: Well, actually, it was my mom. Uh, she's, she's a main part in this story. Uh, but my mom realized that I would come home from school every day, and I would just go home and uh, go to sleep every day. I would go home. Uh, she said I was thirsty all the time. And she, I think she had some friends that were diabetic, and they told her, like, I needed to go get checked. Well, they brought me to the doctor and the doctor did some blood work and all. And I kind of remember it very well because the doctor comes in and I really didn't even know what diabetes was. I was a kid. I had no idea what was going on or what he was talking about or whatever. But he tells me, look, I have to tell you that you have diabetes and it's juvenile set diabetes. That's what they called it back then. Juvenile set diabetes. And he says, your life is fixing the change like totally and I really didn't understand what they were saying and I I didn't know like and my mom sitting there crying and and I'm like, well what what does this mean? And so they bring in another lady and she starts saying well you have to go see uh, another person for education and all that and it totally blew my mind. I had no idea what was going on. And the doctor told me that I would have to start taking shots. Shots. I'm like I had no idea what, like, what's going on. He he says, the, "What you need to do is go home and get you a grapefruit, and start practicing giving yourself shots." So from day one, I started giving myself shots because my mom was definitely afraid of needles, and nobody wanted to touch needles in my house. So huh. I had to actually start doing everything on my own.
0: Wow. So, what what was your? I mean, you, know, you see, you seem like you sort of matter-of-factly took over and started giving the the uh, grapefruit and yourself the injections. What was your thinking at that time? Did you, you know as you started realizing, like there was this thing wrong with you? You didn't know anyone else who had diabetes. Were were you feeling like you know? Cursed I felt like or? I was a loner. Yeah, I
1: felt like I was alone. I was in the world by myself. I felt like you know. W- they, my mom's telling me I can't have candy anymore. I can't eat a whole bunch of stuff. I got, you got to eat meat all the time. you got to, you know, carbs back then, the nutritionist would tell you, do not eat candy. Do not eat a bunch of carbs. Do not eat this. Do not eat this. And and to a kid, you're telling, uh, that's 10 years old, you know, I can't have candy anymore. I can't do that anymore. And I'm like, I'm still a kid. I go to birthday parties and stuff like it didn't really sink in until probably like a few months later when I started getting low blood sugars. Cause what happens is your insulin, if you give too much, it makes your body go into insulin shock. And I have never, like, I didn't even know what that was cause my sugars were so high when I first got it. But, uh, when I got one, it was, it was scary because I didn't know what was going on. I was starting to shake and, I, I went to my mom, I was like, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, I think you're having a diabetic attack. And I had to learn all, I had to start going to classes and how to learn how to to, to notice these things and all. And for a 10-year-old kid, that's, it's kind of mind-blowing that all that's put on my shoulders. Because, like, my mom and all really, they, they didn't really actually get what was actually going on with me, I, I don't think. They cared about me, but they just didn't understand what was going on with me. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Thibodeau, Louisiana.
0: Okay. So, you know, no, knowing what I know about uh, Thibodeau and and its its culture, food is a really big deal down there. Was it a big deal in your family when you were little? Oh,
1: it was <laughs> like like many people say all the time. Everything is celebrated with food in the South. Everything. Like you can't even, you can't go to a birthday party, a wedding, even a funeral. It is celebrated with food. Everything is celebrated with food. And down here, it's mostly celebrated with a lot of meat, like meat protein. And, And it's just overindulged here. Like all the time, it's just big old pots of all kind of crap food that people shouldn't be eating.
0: Mm-hmm. so so, for you to not be able to like participate in parties, it was kind of a, kind of a, sounds like kind of a big deal
1: yeah so uh, you know and i'd go to birthday parties and i 'd have to sit off to the side and everybody was eating cake, and like my mom's telling me you can 't have the cake, and i 'm like, well why can 't I have cake and after a while, I started getting why i couldn 't have it, and you know I felt alienated from people I went to school with because I was taking shots when no one else was taking shots. So everybody's asking me, why are you picking your finger? Why are you doing this? So sooner or later in your mind, you start saying, well, I'm not going to show people this. So I stopped taking, I started stopped shaking my blood where nobody could see what I was doing. So I just completely cut it out. I, I wouldn't even check my blood and Sometimes I wouldn't even take my shots at night. I was supposed to take two shots a day. I was taking one shot, and I was barely making it. I guess at that time, it was it was a lot on a on a kid.
0: Yeah, wow. And were were you also prescribed um, blood regulation medicine, or was it just the insulin at that point?
1: No, uh, type one only takes insulin. Okay. I, I only I only took insulin. But they put me on a uh, it was it's something that protects your kidneys. At the time, it's it's a blood pressure medicine. But I actually didn't have blood pressure problems at that time as a kid. But they put you on that to protect your kidneys. But the understanding of that, I, I never really asked why they do that. But I I, should, I guess I should have. But I don't I don't really understand it.
0: Mm. So what, what what did the doctors or or anybody tell you, or what did you understand about? the course of this disease at, you know, at 10, 11 years old, like, what was, did you have a sense of, like, what your, the trajectory of the disease and your your life was supposed to be?
1: Well, when I was younger, like, most people said that diabetics didn't live long, so I had that always lingering over my head that, you know, what do I expect, you know, do I, am I going to live long, or what is going to happen with me? Like, I, I had no really understanding what was any of the, the stuff that was going on? If that, if that makes any sense to you, I, I I don't exactly know how to explain it because it's it's crazy because I'm I'm like a little kid, and all this stuff is happening all at once. I'm going to this doctor, going to this doctor, um, and it's just over and over and over. And every week I'm going to the doctor taking blood work, and they're they trying to see what they're going to do, and it, it's a lot for a kid to deal with if, uh, if that makes any sense to you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yes and no, like I, I can intellectualize it, but I can't imagine what it was like. Um, you know, to, for for me to think, put myself back at that age and think that I have this thought in my mind that I'm not going to live that long. I might've gotten, you know, reckless or, or depressed. I mean, it, it could have gone any which way. So h- how did you kind of deal with it emotionally?
1: Well, emotionally it, it it was very hard, but I, when I was younger I had a really group a really good group of friends. And I I always stayed with my friends, but they always knew something was wrong with me. It, like they always knew like something's different about him because I would just get sick all of a sudden and they would wonder why I was getting sick. And then I didn't know exactly how to explain it to them because I was different from them. And how I didn't really understand it. So I didn't know what to tell them about it. So I would go home and like, I would deal with it. Like I would get in my room and think about what, what I was going to try to tell them, but I never really told them exactly what was going on because I really didn't know what was going on.
0: Mm. So as you, as you got older, what were, what was your experience of of the disease? You know, was it just, having to sort of manage the, the insulin and, and monitor your blood pressure? Did you start having other symptoms? Well,
1: when, as I got older, I started playing sports, and I, I played a lot of basketball. I started dealing with a lot of low blood sugars. If anybody knows, I, I, I'll try to explain what happens. What happens when, you, when you're moving around, the insulin works better in your body. It takes the sugar out of your blood very quickly. And the more you use your muscles, the more your sugar goes down. Well, I started playing basketball a lot and playing football. I played all kinds of sports. But I was different. So every time my sugars would get low, I would go to start passing out, getting weak, falling over. And then people didn't want me playing sports with them anymore. So then I had to deal with that. Like they're like, well, we can't have this. He's passing out and stuff, and nobody knew what was going on. So
0: that's like your like so, high school coaches didn't want you on the team.
1: Well, well, it was more like uh, when I was in fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. It was like little league stuff. Uh-huh. It was not actually high school because I, I never really played in junior high or anything because I knew no nobody would want me on their team when that would happen. So I would just after I got out of the, like the the little league stuff. I I just didn't do it anymore because I felt alienated and I didn't want to do it anymore because people were actually like, man, we can't have him on my team anymore. And telling that to a little kid, you know, what was I going to do?
0: Yeah. So, um, so then continuing, did you start having other, other symptoms? Um, well,
1: this is, I didn't start having more symptoms until I got a little older because in high school, my mom and all kept like, they regulated what I ate. They, I ate a lot of protein and stuff, but like meat consumption back then, but my sugars were always like in ten. My sugars always stayed in the nines and 10. It's a A1C. If the, I'm going to explain what that is, they check your blood sugars over a three month period. So, and that three-month period, it can tell you what you're doing in that three-month period. If you're taking care of yourself, if you're following your diet, all that, well, every time they would take it, my sugars would be nine, tens, and that's, that's considered high. That's considered where other things will start happening. You'll lose your eyes, uh, neuropathy. But back then, nobody knew what neuropathy was, but that would start happening. But all that didn't start happening until I got into my 20s.
0: Uh huh. So when your sugars were nine or ten and you were you were getting the message that they were high, was that explained to you like you're doing something wrong? You're eating the wrong food or you're not monitoring yourself enough or you're just unlucky or they don't have an explanation? No, they they knew that
1: they can tell when you're when when they check your sugars at that range, they can tell you're doing something wrong. They they know that you're not following something but I'm a kid. I was like, I'm trying. I'm doing everything you you saying, and I would write down fake numbers for my my meter and all that. And you know, and the doctor was like, "Well, this can't be right because your your sugars are high and you're showing lows." So I, I'd actually lie to people back then. I would lie to them because you don't want to tell people you're sick. And I'm I'm really I'm I I look like I'm a normal person, but I'm really not a normal person. I I have a Autoimmune disease that
0: makes me sick. Right. And it's, it's, it sounds like you didn't. Have, there was nobody in the medical profession that you had a really trusting relationship with. If you're if you're making up numbers,
1: no, sir. It's, it's, see, when I was growing up, it was my family doctor, and these family doctors really—they're not an endocrinologist. An endocrinologist specializes in diabetes. I didn't even know what that was until I was like 17 years old, and when you go to a family doctor, they don't really know what diabetes really is, so they're just guessing at stuff. They're like telling you to take a certain amount of medicine, and they don't really get it. But an endocrinologist, I finally started seeing one when I was 17, and I still wasn't ready to listen to anybody if that like I, I was trying to do my own thing. Because I thought I could, I knew better than them. I know my body. I know what I can do. They don't know what I can do. And I just kept doing stuff, and then it, it started. I started getting where I was tired all the time, and my sugars. I started checking my ketones, and I had ketones in my in my urine, and that makes you sick. So I started getting sick when I was in my twenties.
0: Hmm. So when they were saying, you know, you're not doing the right thing, were they giving you dietary advice and protocols?
1: Well, they send you to a nutritionist.
0: But when you go
1: to – see, back then, like even a nutritionist, they would go by certain things like you can't eat this, you can eat this, but you got to – they give you so small portions of everything. And, like, as a kid, I'm hungry. I want to eat. I see other kids just eating what they want to eat. But the nutritionist is like, you can't eat that anymore. You you have to eat these sizable portions, you have to eat this amount uh ounces uh, of meat, you have to eat this uh, a cup of rice or whatever they were trying to limit to what I ate because the more sugar you eat, the more your sugars go up. That's was my understanding of it. But now I have a big old outlook on that one. <laughs>
0: So were you trying to follow their advice or I mean, was, was it just about, um, you know, frequency and size or were they talking about like what you what foods you were allowed and what foods were really good for you and what foods were dangerous?
1: Well, they told me I couldn't have any like uh, I would have to say like Oreos and cookies. I, I couldn't have any of that. Uh-huh. That that just went away. You, They wanted me to eat. High amounts of protein. I think it was like eight ounces of, of of meat back then, and I was like, "Wow, man, I'm getting a big old. I can eat a big old steak." And it's like little bitty sized portions of fruit. They didn't even want me eating fruit too much, and I'm like, "And I love fruit." So I was like, "Man, I can't even have fruit anymore," because back then they said that there's a lot of sugar in that. But it it now I have a a better understanding of what everything is. Back then it was just they they really didn't i guess they didn't understand what it was
0: mm-hmm. well most most endocrinologists still don't right
1: yeah cuz it, it sometimes it seems like they're ju- they just guessing at things and i i know it, it confuses me a lot because i'm like well, like they look like they're confused so why am i listening to what they're saying if they look like they're confused <laughs> But I, I'm going to say they do have some out there that are very knowledgeable of things. All
0: right. So, so in your 20s, you started getting sick. Um, what, was, what, was the, what were the worst symptoms that uh, you had?
1: Uh, I actually had to have, uh, I think it's called retinopathy. It's My eyes, uh, the blood vessels in my eyes were starting to uh, rupture. So I had to have actually had to have uh laser surgery on my eyes. It was in my late twenties, and uh my sugars were still high, like they were, they've always been high until recently, but they've always been tens, nines, and, and that's still high. But I started developing numbness in my hands too, and what that is from is because your sugar stays so high all the time, it starts damaging your nerves in your body. And when that starts damaging your nerves and your body, if you do not correct that, you can start – your hands can stay numb for the rest of your life, your feet, your hands, a lot of that stuff. And and the doctors were like, you need to start doing something better. And I thought maybe if I, I start thinking about what I ate more, but I'm still not listening to anybody because I'm like, man, that – you know, really, I didn't want, want to live back then to actually be honest with you because who wants to live giving yourself six shots all the time and all this stuff and 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 it's crazy because all that's thrown on me and and it felt like I was the only one in the world dealing with that because I didn't know any other type ones i didn't, like there's not that many type ones out there i think out of I think it's four hundred and fifty million type twos fifteen million are type ones. So, but what's that? That's a big difference there, you know?
0: Mm. Uh, so, um, you, you're you sort of hanging on. You didn't really want to live, but it, it sounds like you're sort of going through the motions a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of giving up. Yeah. So, what what was the... You know, the impetus. I know I I listened to you on another podcast talking about a doctor who actually talked straight to you. Um,
1: well, that's one day, like, this is when my hands were starting to get where I couldn't even sleep because my hands would hurt so bad. The neuropathy was so bad. And I was talking to one of my, uh, she's a uh, friend I had, and she's like, you really need to go talk to a doctor. Like, you need to go see a doctor. So... I actually found an endocrinologist in Thibodeau and I went to see him and he tested, he checked my blood and all that and all this stuff. And I was telling him about my hands and all, and he got my blood work back and he tells me, you know, your blood work is high, you know, it's in tens, nines, or whatever it is. But he said, you know, that can be fixed. But he said, you have to actually look at yourself. He said, look at you. He said, you need to fix this. And something sunk in my head that day. Like, man, I never had anybody tell me that, besides my family and friends. Like they, my friends and family picked on me. You know, oh man, look, you ain't got no chin. You, you know, look at you. You, uh, your chin sitting on your, uh, on your shoulders, and you know, but for that doctor to tell me, for somebody I I had never met before on the first day to tell me, like, look at you, look how you look. I how, said, how, I'm how did you look
0: something today? How did you look? I was,
1: I was two hundred and thirty-five pounds, and it, I'm five-four. So two hundred and thirty-five pounds on a five-four person—that is a lot of weight on a short stature. Like I was, my face was ballooned, my stomach. I was in a two-X shirt. It, I was, I was huge. I was really big.
0: And that's that's unusual for type one diabetics, isn't it?
1: Uh Well, what, what, type 1s, I'm going to tell you why most type 1s are skinny. Because their sugars stay at a such a high range. Like if you get into like the 13s or 14 A1Cs, your, your body starts eating your fat away. Because it's trying to get all that out of your body. It's trying to compensate. So what that does, it starts making you skinny. It's called ketoacidosis. You go into ketoacidosis, and when you do that, the the uh, the fat it starts eating your fat away. So most di- type one diabetics are skinny because their sugars are high, over over a ten range. That's why I started getting big because I was eating all this stuff and my sh- I was taking the sugar out of my body, but the weight was staying on me. If that makes any sense to you.
0: So, yeah, what you're you're saying is like the thing that people try to do now to a certain extent, not necessarily to go into ketoacidosis, but to go into ketosis, which is sort of similar but not as bad, like that's how there's a whole movement around paleo and ketogenic diets that's basically trying to mimic the damage that a type 1 diabetic's body is doing to them.
1: Correct. You're exactly right. That's what people mimic that.
0: All um, right, uh, so your endocrinologist says you have to fix this, um, you know, look in the mirror. And what, you know, from someone who was kind of giving up, what did that do to you kind of emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, instead of saying, oh, you know, screw it, I don't, I don't really care anymore?
1: Well, I'm going to talk about this because I have a, I have a 20-year-old son. And that that's a big part of why I didn't give up. Because my my mom had passed away, uh this is this all leads up to this. I'm gonna tell you why I ballooned to that weight also. I I'm gonna get to that first. Well, okay. my mom was a big part of my life. I was a mama's boy, I was the baby of the family. My mom was like my best friend that I really didn't realize till She passed away. When she passed away, she died of heart disease, and you know that really it it hurt me really bad. And I went to a bad place where food was comforting to me. I would eat all the time. Started drinking, and that comforted me. But when I went to that doctor that day, something in me said, you know, this guy that doesn't even know me is looking at me and saying, I look like a tub of crap, and. I'm going to fix this today. Well, when I left there, I went home. They had a a treadmill that had been sitting on our back porch forever. I got on that treadmill, and I started walking three miles every single day. And I would not give up. I kept walking on that treadmill, kept on walking, and I changed my diet. At first, I'm plant-based now, but at first I wasn't plant-based. I was eating, I gave up dairy because I have a, a good friend, his name is Josh Sajani, that is a very good mentor to me. And he was doing a plant-based diet, but I thought I couldn't get rid of protein because my nutritionist at this time is telling me I need protein. It's It slows down my sugars in my body, it makes me more regular through the day if I eat that meat with my vegetables or rice or my carbohydrates. And so I started getting rid of dairy and I kept eating my chicken and I kept asking advice to him. Like, man, do I, do I really, cause I didn't understand what protein actually was. I thought protein was meat and that was it. I didn't know there was protein and broccoli and all kind of beans and all. I didn't know that. So I started doing a little reading and I started talking to him more and I, I realized that, there's different ways to start doing this stuff, so when I started getting rid of the turkey and the chicken, my sugars started going down. I went to the uh, doctor and my my sugars were in the high sevens or seven point nine or something like that. And my doctor was like, "Dude, what are you what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, I told him I gave up milk and I uh, gave up uh, red meat." And he's like, "Well, you know," he said, "Your sugars are still high, but." You know, by this point, I had lost about 50 pounds. So I'm looking skinnier to him, and he's like, man, you you know, you're looking good. And I started, I kept on walking and all this. And, you know, life started changing. I started getting, I I started feeling more alive where I would hang with people, go out with people. I, I could talk to people. I started working out with people. And, you know, my whole life changed that day from going to that doctor and him telling me, you know, you need to, you need to do something with yourself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do something with myself. I'm, I'm, I want to be around for my son and, you know, and I'm going to be here for him.
0: So, um, let's, let's, let's take this back a little bit. So you're, how old are you now? I'm 39. I'll be 40 in December. Okay. And so you had your son. You were pretty young.
1: Yes, sir. I was twenty years old. Uh
0: huh. And I don't. I don't want to get you know too too personal. But you know, did uh, were you married to her, to his mother?
1: No, sir. I was young, and, and you know, you do uh, things when you're young, and I had a wonderful son out of the deal.
0: Yeah. So I'm. I'm. Thinking, you know, because I was thinking like at that point it might've been hard to like get married and commit to someone thinking that you weren't going to live very long or have a high quality of life.
1: Well, I, I, I'll touch on bases on that too. Cause I, I see where you're going with this because actually I'm, I'm single right now because all through my life, when I've got like a significant other, it, it takes a toll on a person to be with a type one diabetic because when I have low sugars or something like that, people do not understand what that is. They think I'm that you're going crazy, that you're possessed or something. They don't understand what it is. So every girlfriend I ever had in my whole life, they left me mostly because I'm type 1 diabetic. Mm. And 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 it's it hurts to say that, but it does take a toll on somebody being with a type 1 that's not controlled. An uncontrolled type 1 is very very scary for a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But, so I assume you're, you're still, you were always sort of in your son's life? and
1: uh... yeah, Yes, sir. I, I've always been in his life. And because at a young age, my, my dad, he left my mom and he was never there. But my stepdad took over and he was the wonderfulest dad that a person could have. And I was never going to let my son be that way either. Mm. I, I want to be there with my son and I've always been in his life.
0: Right. So at th- at this point I guess you you know your your mom had passed away you were in mourning over her and it sounds like you sort of saw the next generation and you you know that you didn't want your son to grow up grieving for for a parent who, who died from uh, from something that could have been maybe prevented.
1: Yes sir. You you correct. And and he always would tell me, "Dad, you need to you need to start eating right. Dad, at this point I was, I was smoking too. And he's like, you need to quit smoking. You need to, you need to stop all this. And, and I never really listened to him until, you know, it all started making sense that day. Like I, I want to be around for everybody. You know, I, I don't want people, cause I, when, when my mom passed away, it was, it was something I had never dealt with before. Somebody that close really passing away and, that that was my heart that i didn't want other people to see me pass away when i didn't have to pass away that i could change
0: what i was doing right so so you you had this doctor you'd had a whole bunch of doctors before that you um why do you end up listening to Josh Lajani? who's you know a um a sewer operator a trailer park manager Like what, what gave him credibility with you? Me and him were best friends growing up. And, you know,
1: I I kept looking at him and I'm like, man, he's super skinny, super healthy. I'm like, and so I started asking him questions of what was he doing? And he he would tell me, but he would give it to me slow. You know, He, he would tell me, look, if you can't just give this up, just, just start doing it. Just, you know, try to give this up. But he, and all, every time he would tell me something, he always would say, "Plant base is the key. Plant base is the key." So, what I would start doing—I don't know if you want me to get into that right now. I was going to tell you how I was doing experiments with my blood sugars that made me really—it clicked. What he was telling me to do, I started doing.
0: Yeah. Well, what's your, but, but I, you know, for folks who don't know, Josh, it's not like he's—he's he's always been skinny and fit and fast. So if you were best friends with him growing up, you knew him yeah, as but, like the big guy. Uh, yeah.
1: For, for yeah he was a big guy. Yeah. He was the big guy. And I actually, when we was younger, I was the little guy. So he was always chasing me around on the football field. <laughs> so he was the big guy. He was always blocking for me. And, you know, when I started seeing him changing, I'm like, you know, wow. You know, my friend, he's always been big, but he's looking, like, if he can do that, why can't I do that? And I, you know, I started asking him, and he's very receptive to talking to people. And, you know, that that's what's very good about him. And and I'm not trying to toot his horn or, or anything like that. I'm just telling you what happened in my life. And, and he was a part of my life, so that's why I'm telling you about him. And, you know, I don't want everybody to think that I'm tooting his horn or anything, but He's a very good guy, and he, he, he knows what he's talking about.
0: Yeah. So, so he started telling you this stuff to do, and you, you, you started mentioning that you started experimenting. So what, what did you do, and what did you discover?
1: Well, what I would do is my sugars, when I started doing walking and all, I started seeing that my sugars would still be high early in the morning. When I'd wake up, my sugars would be 230, 300 all the time. Well, in in a diabetic, what you gotta do you gotta take insulin to make that sugar come down. So that whole day I'm trying to get those sugars back down. So I'm trying to like catch up the whole day. And I'm and, and when your sugars are high in the three hundreds, you're tired, you really don't want to do anything. But I was working out so much I could still do things because I was working out so much that my body was better adapted to doing things. Well, I started eating the meat, and i see my sugars would be high in the morning. Well, what I would start doing is I would take the meat out, and I would start eating just plant-based foods, vegetables, rice, potatoes, stuff like that, beans. And lo and behold, the next day, my sugars are right where they should be. So this whole life that everybody was telling me, eat this meat, and it's going to slow your sugars down. It's going to make it at a certain level. Was a bunch of bull. It, it, it was not what I should have been doing, because those carbs is is energy, and and what it is, I, I was waking up and I'm like, man, my sugars are are perfect. So how do you how do you go against that? You can't say, well, if you take that the uh, that out of the situation, so what is it? You can't say, well, it, it's not it's not the carbohydrates. it's the meat. When I took the meat away, my sugars went down. So what's the problem right there?
0: So did you, when you started doing that, did you start mentioning it to your doctors?
1: Yes. I started talking to my doctor because when I went back, uh, I think it was like the third time I had, I had lost a lot more weight. I was, I think I lost like 80 pounds by this point. And he was like, man, what, what are you doing? And I said, Look, doctor, I, I want to tell you, because he said, man, your sugars are, like, perfect. Like, your A1Cs are, like, a six. And he's like, that is unheard of in a type 1. Most type 1s do not get to sixes. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, doc, I- I- I've turned out to be a plant-based eater. And he's like, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because there's nothing I can tell you to do that you're not doing yourself. Like you're, you are, like he tells me I'm his, uh, his star pupil in the in the doctor's office. He's like, dude, like it's nothing I can even tell you
0: because
1: hmm. he sees me. Like me and him go to the same gym and all, and he, he sees me putting in work every day or whenever he's in the gym. He's like, man, you, you know, because I can I, I picked up running and now I run a lot and that, that's one of my main hobbies. Uh, I love to run. And I'm on a like a run streak right now. I'm, I think I'm over. I think it's like twenty, three, twenty-four days or something like that now. But
0: yeah. So, so how would I mean that must have felt incredible for, to have a doctor basically telling you that you're you're doing perfect after all those years of kind of you know fudging the numbers and. and you know, kind of ducking well, responsibility?
1: Well, this is another thing, too, I started doing. I started, I got, I, they gave me an insulin pump. This this is a game changer for a diabetic. I got this insulin pump, and it's, it. when I tell you I was taking six, seven shots a day, I don't take shots anymore. My insulin pump does almost all the work for me because I had to learn how to carb count. So whenever I sit down with food, I have to know exactly how many carbs is in there to enter it into my machine to to put it so it takes the sugar out of my body. So I started testing my blood and all that, and he, and he, he noticed all that. He's seen that because he can tell when he gets my pump, he plugs it into a computer, and it tells him everything I'm doing. And I can't lie to that machine because <laughs> it tells what I'm eating and all that, too.
0: Gotcha. So... When you started, you started working walking three miles a day on the treadmill. Now you mentioned you've like run twenty four days in a row, and that seems to be a pretty common thing for you to go on these long streaks of of daily running. How did the walking on the treadmill morph into what you're up to now?
1: Well, I started walking uh, that, like I said, the three miles. Well, that three miles. Well, actually, the first <laughs> treadmill that I had, I burned it up. I had to get a whole new one and on the second one I started like I would jog half like say you got 4 laps on a treadmill I would jog 2 laps and then I'd walk 2 laps and then those 2 laps started going into 4 laps then it would move on and I started jogging and then all of a sudden I got so much stamina I started running and then I got even better when I went to a plant based because I didn't run out of air my muscles felt good all the time I never got hurt. I didn't get sick. Like, I can't even tell you the last time I've been sick. It's crazy how much a plant-based diet will totally change everything you're doing. Because, you know, I can go on runs and just keep running, but there's a downside to that, too. Because with the type 1, like I told you earlier, when when you're putting out that much energy in your body your sugars go down very, very low. Well, I had to start figuring out how to, to combat that with, uh, I got these cliff block things that I eat now that kind of regulate my blood sugars when I'm, when I'm running. So it's more safer for me to run now. Actually, uh, it was a Dustin Lajani, Josh's brother that told me about these things that is a game changer for me because I was starting to get a lot of low blood sugars and, it's very scary when you're out there by yourself running, and you get one of those. You don't have anybody there to help you.
0: Hmm. Um, so, so I follow you. Um, I think the last run I saw you did uh, a couple of days ago it was a three miler at like a nine and a half minute pace. That's pretty speedy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't want to too small hard. I'm getting pretty quick now.
0: Right. Well, I mean, you know, you've got that uh, now, now. Five foot four, and and being right sized makes you pretty quick. <laughs>
1: That's what everybody keeps telling me. But I don't know. I'm, I'm going to see because uh, I got a few people I want to race, and I want to see if I can beat them.
0: So you you have some races coming up?
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I have a half marathon Saturday that I'm going to do. It's uh, the Big Easy Half Marathon in New Orleans, and uh, I'm actually running with my brother. That is, uh, you know, that's that's a story that I, if I could tell you about it, I would like to, if you don't mind. Please. Well, my brother has, was in the military for 20 years. Well, he became a big runner. And he's always been running ever since I, like, I can remember. Well, he would tell me, like, man, come run with me at the Crescent City Classic. Well, a 235-pound man, you're asking him to come run, and you can't actually get up because you have, colitis uh it's uh, inflammation of the intestines you know i'm like man dude i, I can't even walk to the mailbox you asking me to go run well i started getting when i like i started getting healthy and i started walking and all and you know finally i said hey man let's go run a race and uh that was the first race that i ran it was the one with josh lejani and his whole family and my brother was in it and me and him ran and I actually ran that race in 28 minutes and 46 seconds. And it was a big, big game changer because I started being with my brother that, you know, I missed doing stuff with because he was a very athletic person and I wasn't anymore. Mm. But that gave me my life back because I got my family back too. If that, if that makes any sense, because I could get up and move and I could go out and be with them. And and do things and, and, and hang with my brother and now I'm asking him to go run stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, so I assume that twenty eight minutes forty second was a five K? Yes sir.
1: Yes sir. It was okay.
0: a five K. Yeah, if, if it was a ten K I would I would be I would be very nervous right now.
1: <laughs> oh no 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 I'm not that quick. <laughs>
0: okay. So what what yeah. has the impact been on your son watching you make this transformation over the last few years? He, he has, he's overjoyed.
1: He hangs out with me
0: a lot. Every weekend
1: he's calling me, like, because I can go walk with him and go do things with him now. I've actually been taking him to, he, he's actually a chef, and he, well, not a chef, he's a, a, a cafeteria manager in our school system. Well, he's big in food, so I'm showing him, like, vegan restaurants and all. I bring him, and he's, he's very intrigued by the food. And he's intrigued that I could go and bring him do these things now, and I'm trying to get him to come run with me, but he he's not too big into running.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so you've got your your half marathon. Um. I noticed on on your Facebook wall you share you share a lot of stuff about type one diabetes. You shared. Um, you know, Robbie Barbaro's, like um, you know, the Diabetes Summit. You you shared a post about the uh, discoverer of uh, of insulin. Do you feel like yes, where you are right now that you are or want to kind of be an educational mouthpiece and a support for other people who are going through what you went through?
1: I definitely, I definitely want to talk to people that are in my situation because I want to let them know there is other options out there that the nutritional system that they're being taught. And
0: and I don't want to,
1: I actually want to say it is wrong because I'm living proof that it's wrong. I, I want to talk to them and tell them, look, there, there's other ways. You have to get up and move. You have to, you you can't just sit down and do things that you've been doing because it's not going to get any, any better. And yes, I do want to talk to people and I do want to share like, how can I how can I make you a better person? You know, if that makes any sense, because I didn't have anybody to talk to when I was that age. And and I, actually, I want to tell you uh, a story about I was running one day and it's kind of good. I was running because I was running down my street and my neighbor has been living there forever. Well, the grandmother stops me and she says, can you come see and talk to me? And I walked over. I said, yeah, what you got? She goes, "Uh, I, I know you're type 1. Uh, we've been living by you for almost all our life. And I was like, yeah, I'm type 1. She said, well, my grandson's type 1. And I was like, yeah, well, well how old is he? And she said, he's 15. And, you know, that kind of hit me, like, in my heart. And she says, he's given up. He He's told me he doesn't want to live and all this. So when he she told me that, she said, i told myself i have to do something i have to talk to this kid and let him know there's other things he can do and don't give up because you don't have to give up i'm four years old and you know i run 10 miles and 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 you don't have to give up well i went in there and i talked to him and i could see that his sugars were high and and he was kind of looking at me when I was like i said dude i 've been there where you 've been and I would tell him i said you're tired right now aren 't you and And he was like he could he knew what I was talking about because i 've been there, and I, I was telling him, Look, me and you can do things and and i 'll show you what you can do and all this and then that 's what I want to do in life i want to I want to show people there 's other ways to do things besides the if they give up the the meat consumption it, Type twos can be totally cured from this, but they have to, they have to move too because it ain't just going to go away. And type ones, it, it, it would give them their life back because most type ones, their sugars are, are high and, and they're just living this uncontrollable life. And I want to tell them about what they can do.
0: Right. And um, you mentioned, you know, when you, were, when you were playing a lot of sports, you were kind of going into, um, you know, hypoglycemic episodes. And the flip side of that, of course, is if you're monitoring well and you're really active, you need a lot less insulin because being very physically active uh, improves the efficiency of the insulin that you are taking, right?
1: Correct. You are you are totally correct. It it, it cut, cuts down on insulin consumption. It uh, cuts down on how many pumps I need. It... it but there's a there's another side to that, too. When I became very more active, I eat a lot more because I'm eating caloric density foods. So I'm eating a lot more carbs, if that makes any sense. So I have to use that insulin to take that, that sugar out of my body because I'm running so much, I have to eat more carbs. So the insulin the insulin's still about the same with me right now because I'm eating a lot more carbs.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so after after your half marathon, do you have other other races in your future?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> you you're a part of this group too, the missing chins. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, uh, I've been I've signed up for the Louisiana half marathon this year, coming up in January the 14th. So I will be doing that with the rest of my chin brothers.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm still. I'm I'm trying to decide. I I I think I want to go down, uh, but I need to find somebody to pace so I don't uh, I don't do something stupid and try to race it in the middle of my training.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I haven't never. I haven't ran a a half marathon yet, so I don't know what my pace is going to be. So this weekend is going to be a very test run for me, and I'm just going to go enjoy it. But the Louisiana Marathon, I'm gonna I'm gonna go give that uh, run a hell. Awesome. So, um, so you don't want to pace me. <laughs>
0: eh, cool. So my last question is sort of just the nuts and bolts of, of transitioning. Cause you know, I know it's hard to give up the foods that we think of as normal and natural and, and family recipes. So what is, does what your, you know, food intake look like if someone were sort of to follow you around, with a camera, you know, taking pictures of what you eat, what, what would they see? Do you, do you, did you have to become like a fancy cook or do you spend a lot of time Oh, on no,
1: it? no, no. I, I used, I, I eat a lot of beans. Like most people wouldn't want to eat what I'm eating for breakfast, but that's what I eat now. I eat, I eat salads for breakfast. I'll eat fruits for breakfast. I'll eat beans for breakfast. You know, if they follow me around, they're going to see a lot of, a lot of vegetables all the time anything with a vegetable i'm eating it and and you know it's not hard it's like going into a supermarket and grab a can of beans and throw it over some lettuce and that's your meal right there people over complicate things that don't need to be complicated because you'll you'll have a potato sitting in a bowl all you got to do is pop it in the microwave and eat that potato make you some rice eat that rice with some beans it's not complicated And and it's actually very easy. It's more, it's less complicated to eat a plant-based diet than it is to go watch a piece of meat cook for two, three, four, five hours. How long you got to cook it? You know, it's way less complicated than cooking a a meat.
0: Uh huh. So it doesn't sound like you're really into like you know cookbooks and recipes. You just sort of like throw things together.
1: Yeah, I, I, I try to do like. Some things that we have down here, like if they got a gumbo, uh, I don't put meat in it. I try to substitute with mushrooms and stuff like that, okra, and I put that in a gumbo or things like, you know, I try to do our same things that we do around here, but I don't put any meat in it. Like if I have a jambalaya, I'll put onions and mushrooms instead of chicken and sausage, but it it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, I, I don't have any cookbooks or anything like that. I, I do most. Of, I just wing most of the things that I'm doing. Mm. I ask some people sometimes, like, "Hey, what 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 is that you cooking?" Because I have friends that are plant based eaters now that I ask them about what they're eating, and I try to, to to to, uh, to do what they're doing. If that if that makes any sense to you,
0: huh? Right. Well,
1: because like like like. You know, Josh, he doesn't he doesn't make stuff out of cookbooks. He's kind of like I. eat, just grab a potato and eat it. You know, it's it's not. I'm not trying to spend uh, two hours trying to cook something.
0: Right. Um, so, do, do you have uh, have plans for increasing your your online presence or advocacy? Uh, you know, website well, or Facebook or anything.
1: Well, I was talking to Miss casey uh uh miss Casey Johnson last my last podcast, and everybody's keeps stressing that I need to get out more get out more publicly and tell like actually talk to diabetics and I think i'm gonna start i'm I'm gonna start working on a uh, Facebook page and maybe you know something like that and I, and people at work have been telling me too that I need to like just get on youtube and talk and tell people what I'm doing. And let them know like, look, this is what you can do too, so I think I'm going to start doing that type of thing and just get out there and and show people my life
0: beautiful, beautiful, and I can't let you go without asking about New York and good morning America <laughs> what was that like <laughs> Michael
1: micro Strahan is a very tall guy
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah oh uh, man it's was, it was actually amazing, and you know I actually got to to talk about my Like I got to tell people I was a type one diabetic and, you know, it all happened so quick and they, they sent us out there and, you know, I'm actually more nervous to talk to you than I was nervous on that show. I I was not nervous at one moment on that show because, you know, I was there to to tell the world about type one diabetes. And, and I thought, you know, if I tell people type one diabetes, I might reach one person to get to touch, talk to me and maybe I can help them. And that's, that was my main goal is to try to help someone. Yeah. And, and, man, New York, is that is beautiful. <laughs>
0: well, I love what you said. It when, really uh, is
1: a city that doesn't sleep.
0: Yeah, I think it was, it was Michael who was asking you, you know, like, you lost 97 pounds, and he was like, his, his thought process was, oh, man, only three more to go. And you're like, this wasn't about the weight loss for me.
1: No. When I started this, it was never about weight loss. It was trying to get my type one diabetes under control. And then when, you know, the weight was just a plus, you know, when I started seeing that come off, I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's another part of it. And, and I kept doing it. I kept working out and it kept falling off. I kept eating right, kept eating right. And it kept falling off. And, you know, like I told him, I was like, he said, man, we only got three more pounds. I'm like, Look, man, I I can't lose anymore because I'll be way underweight, and and you know I I need all the weight that I got on me to do these long runs, you know, and it, it was a great experience because we actually got to get on the show and tell people about plant based a plant based diet that most people don't understand that it, it, food is medicine and it, it could cure you, it can it help me get to my sugars under control. Type one diabetics can, you know type two diabetics can, can cure themselves from just the food that they eat. Like a lot of things can be cured. And, and that's what I'm glad like all my other brothers got to share that with people and, you know, they can reach out to them and say, well, look, man, let me talk to you. And I know I'm rambling on, but I ain't what you ask, but <laughs> I, I just want to tell people that this, this lifestyle can cure people.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'm, a- after your appearance on national television, I'm hoping you'll get a book deal. And uh, I, I don't know—I don't know too many people who are spreading this message. You know, there are, there is that uh, that you know, mastering diabetes summit, um, but if, you know, for you, from so- someone from you know the Bayou, who you know grew up a certain way, and you're still there, right? You're still in the same community, in the same culture. You're still making. Gumbo and jambalaya, you you haven't changed at all in meaningful ways, and you you've changed completely. It's Like you're you're kind of a yeah, bridge.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. That that <laughs> you say you hit the nail nail on the head.
0: So. Well, it's it's so good to talk to you. Um, you know, I'm so I want I want to add my voice to the chorus of uh, you know Casey and your friends and family and and doctors who are, who are urging you to, uh, to, to, to um, you know, open up the, uh, the, the floodgates of your advocacy because uh, I think you're going to reach a lot more than one person um, every, every time you, uh, you, know, you reach out and, and, and speak and present and share your story. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to share it with us today. I'm glad you, you talked to me about it because the more I talk about it with people,
1: the more they'll understand how they can cure themselves.
0: Right on, and you have you have nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> uh,
1: well, it's just you know I'm not used to this. I'm just a normal guy that works eight hours a day, and you know I, I just ain't used
0: to it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you weren't used to walking three miles a day when you started either, right? So uh, it's just an- another another thing to, to to level up to. Yes, sir. Uh, well, Josh Turner, thank you so much. For taking the time today. And
1: thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you talking to me.
0: All right, and I, I look forward to uh, meeting you in uh, Baton Rouge. Uh, I'll be looking forward to it. All right. Take care.
1: All right, buddy. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Big Change Program led by me and Josh Lajani, visit BigChangeProgram.com. Again, that's coming up soon. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at PlantYourself.com 249. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 248 archived episodes over at PlantYourself.com. Big thanks to Kelly Machia, who has provided us with two new transcripts, one for Peter Bregan's, conversation with me and my son, Elon, and one for the recent conversation with Dr. Michael Clapper, which I've gotten a lot of feedback about. People have just fallen in love with the good doctor and his common sense and his heart. Dr. Bregan's podcast is number 231, and Dr. Clapper is 246. And you can just append those numbers after plantyourself.com, as in plantyourself.com slash 231 for Peter Bregan and plantyourself.com slash 246 for Michael Clapper. You can read the transcripts online, or you can download them in beautiful PDF format. So do you remember podcast number 197? That was my interview with author Scott Carney, who wrote What Doesn't Kill Us. He was talking about the work of Wim Hof, among other people, whose wellness protocol includes cold exposure. And so I had a little video of myself doing some of that cold exposure, and you can find that. Uh, the show notes for today's episodes, I'll throw it down there right at the bottom of today's show at number 249. So if you'd like to see me pour an ice bucket of water over my head in zero degree temperature, that will be fun. In garden news, a sad day today. It was the first day that was warm enough for my wife to do some bee work, and she discovered that one, another one of our hives is dead. It looked like there was plenty of honey, but it was just too cold for them to move from the super where they were living to the super that had all the honey And so uh, another another hit to our pollinator friends. In running news, give me a shout if you're planning on participating in the Louisiana Marathon this coming weekend in Baton Rouge. I'll be running the full. I will be running slowly, by which I mean I'm not going to try to race it or get a PR. I'm just going to hang with a group of the missing chins. And I'll also be doing some sort of talk, maybe a podcast talk at the Expo on Saturday. So if you're around, I'd love to meet you and say hello. And now thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can hear more of his beautiful music at WillRidenour.com. And now let's thank all the Plant Yourself Podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy, Good, Amanda, Hathaway, Mary, Jane Wheeler, Ellen, Kennedy, Melissa Cobb, Rachel, Barons, Justine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina, A. Jen Folkonovsky, David Bizek, Mysterious, Michelle X, with Feldman, Victoria, Dolan, Olias e. Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, and Julian Rollins, Dudolnik, Sarah Durkas, Ryan of the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Peterson, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Frondick, Jeanette Benham, Gillis, Sarah, David, Donahue Blair Cyber, Doran Avisov, Geo, and Carol Marti, Judy, Jody, Friesen, Ruth Ann Fund, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Valen, Linman, Roger Cinnamon. Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Diane Norton, Bonnie Lynch, and Plant Happy Organ, Sabine Kurtzholz, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Ruthlett, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rosland, Dayat, Julie Langholm, Hedegard, Susan Tuzan, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heiler O'Connell, Ka- Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakowski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Sh- Scott Marani, and Karen and Joe and Crabtree... <laughs> Karen and Joe Crabtree for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.